Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I'm your host, Harrison Starr, HD underscore star on Twitter, joined as always by Ben Ross, RenBoss23, and the new microphone haver. Ben, how are you doing? You are listening to the dulcet tones of my scraggly voice. Um, bastard child, I guess now, between a Minnesota and a Chicago accent. <clears throat> the, the two are sort of becoming one and the same, and the Minnesota accent really continued to uh, rear itself as I get closer to finishing this glass of whiskey on this chilly Monday night. <laughs> Ooh, you revealed the day that we're recording this. A oh, rarity. fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Last oh, well. last, or a couple of weeks ago, I was happy to boast that we were recording during the workday. Yeah, the good midday pod. Uh don't have to worry about a baby crying in the background. I apologize. Poor Elliot, poor Christina, having to tend to his crying. It was my night to put him down. I guess I didn't do a good enough job, which is a devastating uh, blow to the ego as a father, but one I've been dealt before. I'll remind you of this in 10 years, Ben. Thank you. I was actually at a housewarming party yesterday. I had some friends... Some very close friends met them at Iowa. Um, they're married now and pregnant, and they made the move to the suburbs. And they uh, so they had their sort of housewarming party, and there were about twenty five. It was a good showing, about twenty five people there, and um, classic, you know, suburb basement, main floor, all that, and the main floor. And this was to watch the gross, disgusting bears. Tampa Bay game and the the basement was reserved sort of for people like me and uh, city dwellers and younger, younger predilection and maybe just single people. And then the main floor were babies and, and cuffed. And let me tell you the moods of the two parties. (laughs) Talk about a two party system. Harrison (laughs) couldn't have been two, (laughs) two more different atmospheres. Um, I took one one quick glance upstairs around shortly after halftime of the game, and I didn't even make it to the top of the landing. <laughs> I just turned right back around after I saw several babies on the floor and just a dour mood on the friends of my on the faces of my married friends. It's it's funny because like I don't think we really talked about this much, um, but the wedding with Elliot it is so different. Because, you know, as as I had attended and every single one of my weddings before this, you know, you just have different priorities when once you have a child. You're not worried about, you know, even whether it's an open bar or not. You're just worried about making sure that that baby lasts as long as they possibly can, whether it means they uh, run into the bar area all by themselves and you just let them keep their distance and they stare up at random people 
you just let it happen because every second the baby is not crying is another second for you to only sort of uh, <laughs> only sort of enjoy a wedding in a way that uh, you used to enjoy them a little more. They're different now. It's fun to see the family with the family. So uh, I don't want to talk too differently about how weddings are, but it was, it was a blast. We turned in early. That's, that's for sure. We thought we were going to go out when everyone got back. We did not. It's funny because this uh, the the posts they they knew if the Bears somehow were going to pull out a win, it would have meant that you know everybody. I was I've got some friends who are absolute trash. I'll just say it. They're garbage people, and <laughs> they if the bear like the Bears are just an excuse. And I'm sure this is not. You know, there's this is all just NFL fandom everywhere. But the Bears, the Sunday, their NFL team on Sunday is an excuse to get as shit housed as possible, really. And since the Bears were thoroughly like the game was over after two possessions, really. Um, but had it <laughs> have been close to four quarters, I would have seen several blacked out friends on a Sunday <laughs> in the Chicago suburbs. And even but. Not that that I ever thought that was going to happen, but my friend who was hosting, he made sure that there was a hard doors closed. He made sure everybody knew getting in that we're kicking you out at 10 o'clock, no matter what, um, <laughs> trying to anticipate because he knew that party could have gone all night long if, if the Bears had somehow won, but uh, that obviously didn't happen. And I was home, you know, by seven or eight o'clock sometime in between then, which I was fine with. I was ready to leave at half, but what was I going to do? Go home alone and not look at babies. That's hilarious. I, I love how on a Sunday night anticipating a what, like a 1% chance of Chicago actually winning 10 o'clock. You got to get out of here. Not even like just once the game's over, see you later. I, I, res- I respect that. Uh, th- thankfully there probably aren't any flipped cars in the suburbs where you're going that people just kind of, sat in sadness and you know you, you resign yourself to a loss pretty early in, in such a scenario there are, if you're a bears fan there are two irish goodbyes two of my two of the most diehard bears fans <laughs> i knew just left without telling anybody and it's like what did you expect man and and the worst part is or, or the best part depending on who you are the bears are gonna the bears play the 49ers next sunday the bears are gonna beat the 49ers and then they'll be back They'll be it'll be as if they didn't just lose by forty points on game of the week. It's you know brain worms. <laughs> I mean the thing about the thing about it is the Bears are going to win because Matt Nagy isn't going to be coaching, right? I mean that's yep. that's the way that this oh. goes, and then well, that, everyone's and they're playing like, Jimmy Garoppolo, but yes. But you do you change the locks to the to the building if uh Matt Nagy uh is the is sitting at home while the Bears win. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh fun times. As weird as Sunday was from a NFL perspective and it was weird because I watched the Packers and I rarely watch the Packers anymore and they because they always lose when I watch. Uh they won. That was exciting. But I we're just going to like run down all of the Big Ten games, because so much happens. Iowa is back in control of their own destiny um, for another four to five days. Uh, and the the first place I want to start, though, is none 
other than the longest game of all time, only because overtimes are now two plays at a time now between Illinois and Penn State. I can't even remember the score. What was it? 20 to 18? Is that what it ended up? Something like that. Or is it eight? Yeah, it was 20 to 18 because they won on a string of not converting 10 and then 10 two-point conversions and then three happens and just so much happened that that I want to discuss. I want to give you the floor though first because you've been in a fight with yourself and everyone else about Penn State fans for the better part of two weeks and I think now is time for you to take a bow right and just retire for this season from fighting Penn State fans or maybe not you know it's a it's a long season I'm truly a prisoner of my own making but (laughs) Harrison I'm proud to announce something that I haven't said anybody yet is I did not watch a single play of Illinois Penn State live not a single one because I spent my Saturday morning uh, I went to the gym, did a class, ran a lot of errands. I had some stuff to do around the house. And then I had put a decent amount of money on Purdue, Wisconsin. So when I finally got in front of the TV, that took my yep. priority. And I also, part of the reason why I, you know, I could have caught the entire, probably most of the second half plus overtime for Illinois Penn State, but the score was close. And I firmly believed in jinxing a Penn State win had I have turned it on because Illinois was doing so good without doing so well without my support. So I was resigned to watching some plays on Twitter and whenever they would show updates of the Wisconsin Penn uh, Wisconsin Purdue broadcast, which was not very often. If you watched, I just saw a couple, they just showed a few missed PAT, PAT attempts um, in between David Bell being double covered. And, I, it just tastes so good. The It's sweet, sweet victory. It's poetic justice, I guess. Silver lining for Penn State fans is James Franklin probably isn't going anymore, going anywhere anymore, right? Um, at least they had Sean Clifford back. That was really, you know, really encouraging to see <laughs> him back because, you know, he's so important to that team. Um, but man, oh man. And I guess, I don't know if we can talk about Penn State anymore because I'm I'm banned from SB Nation's Penn State blog now for reasons I can't seem to understand. I didn't violate any rules. I know the rules better than anyone about SB Nation's commenting guidelines, and I made no personal attacks. I didn't spread any misinformation, unlike all the comments mine was sandwiched in between. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I think life will be better uh, once I stop letting Penn State occupy so much of my fucking brain uh that's incredible i I came into the game late uh unlike you i had no fear of the jinx although i think it is a fair a fair fear to have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, i was resigned to um you know just hey it's gonna be a day at home maybe a pumpkin patch maybe an apple apple orchard who who knows what but Elliot wakes up with a little bit of a temperature and we're like, all right, we're, we're not doing anything. So I just hang out with him and then turn it on. I think it ends up being like just before the first half of the game. And man, it, it was a genuinely uh, 
dire situation to watch that game unfold. Like you have Illinois getting up in a way that I didn't think they had. And it makes me certainly wonder, as I mentioned in our comments, like was Brett Bielema negging his own line publicly and be like, no guys, I trust you. I trust you. I'm just doing this to get in Penn state's head even more than they're already in their own heads. Um, and, and I think the, the most poetic justice for all of this, in my opinion, is, and poetic justice might be the wrong, wrong turn of phrase, but they say they're making these rules, these incredibly quick overtime periods to protect against injuries, I presume, when we all know what they're doing is protecting the over-under lines, they're protecting the super tight favorite lines, they're doing things to make sure that Vegas doesn't lose too much on this. I don't even think this is a conspiracy. I think this is just a theory that I have that is correct. Because you look at it, and really, once you go from the third overtime on, uh... How many three overtime games are there in a given season? You're not knocking out that many plays by saying, "Oh, we're only going to op- operate uh, two point conversions and make everyone walk up and down after it." it incredible, incredible theater it is. So, so I actually do agree with Burton a little bit in a little bit of a sense where it, it made for compelling television. But one, you had Art, our guy Art Sikowski. Presume look look like he shattered his he's left dead. forearm. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> like, like it was a brutal injury that he had in the fourth overtime, and uh, then you just you you keep watching. It's like, well, I guess he he would have been injured in a fourth overtime anyways. But man, uh, for for Illinois to pull it out, all I was thinking though while it was happening was. This is the second time in my Ponks column I've given a 20-point underdog as the pick, and they straight up win the game. Bowling Green was the first, Illinois the second. Very angry that I didn't lay even a partial credit on uh, Illinois. I should have learned my lesson. I got scared away because I did the same thing with Northwestern in the Ponks. Uh, a few weeks ago against Nebraska, and they lost by like 50 points. I didn't want that to happen again. I'm afraid of embarrassment, Ben. I mean, I live in embarrassment. <laughs> Some people are scared <laughs> to get their hands dirty. I live in the mud, Harrison. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what else there is. It was overall, I mean, I don't know if I watched any. Oh, I watched the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game too then. Um, but after that, I didn't watch yeah. any, consume any really – Football just simply wasn't anything, I think, worth my time or yours as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of back and forth between the Michigan-Northwestern game. I watched a lot and, of that, yeah. And I was like, this Northwestern team, it's going to be, I think you've had this perspective basically all year, that Northwestern is just going to sit around in the Iowa game and hope that it turns into a four-quarter game because they, I think it's kind of like a Mike Lombardi phrase, is like, oh, they're a 40-minute team. 
And Northwestern right now is like a 35-minute team, and they're going to try and turn the Iowa game into like a 35-minute game or whatever and just hope that Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz shadow box themselves into oblivion and come away with a stupid win in a couple weeks that you'll be at. The whole argument has sort of been like people have just been running into Iowa's outstretched, outstretched fist say for Purdue this year. And it's like the whole joke has been just don't do anything against Iowa and you'll win. And I think Pat Fitzgerald is the king <laughs> of not doing anything against <laughs> Iowa. Um, and so it's just what has me so nervous. Yeah, for, first, we have to think about Wisconsin, obviously. But um, yes, after watching, you know, I mean, after watching the Iowa-Purdue game, then after watching Wisconsin-Purdue, like, and then, uh, like, then watching Illinois or hearing about Illinois, reading about everything I can about Illinois now. It's like I'm more nervous for the rest of the season now after Iowa had a bye than I was after Iowa got fucking pantsed by Purdue. I mean, so yeah, let's let's turn to the the Purdue Wisconsin game since I think we both watched enough of that to to have some clarity on it. Like to me, coming at it from a Purdue graduate, it is so on brand for the second Purdue starts to have any sort of whether it's credibility or expectations or things of that nature to fall flat on their face. Kind of what happened with Iowa in a way, got to number two in a way, (laughs) but I mean, Purdue just snuck into the top 25 and it's like, no, not to, not this season. Boilermakers, Aiden O'Connell, he's going to throw it like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Not nice, pl- yeah. not political, You're right? But yeah, I just, the AOC, AOC joke. Yeah, nice work. It was, he he looked like shit against Wisconsin. Like, what the hell's going on? They their offensive line learned how to to not block in the the interim weeks. Obviously, it's a different front that they're going against. And then the the thing that. Jeff Brom knows about Iowa fans is we are a petty bunch and we were all on pins and needles for his weekly press conference for when he said, yeah, Wisconsin double teamed, not something that Iowa did. I expect to see more double teams the rest of the way. It's like, oh my God, this man just twisting the knife. I mean, yeah, everybody fucking saw coming besides Phil Parker and this Iowa staff. So I don't want to belabor that. anymore (laughs) yeah we've already given that enough enough air I guess the thing about Wisconsin is can they continue to throw the ball as few times as they have and I think you you alluded to it a little bit um but let me pull up these stats because it's genuinely insane they went from 19 attempts against Illinois to 15 attempts against Army to eight attempts against Purdue. And Army was kind of not it was it was a tight game. Like they only won that one by six by six points. And I mean the Purdue game, they, they had it in hand for a good chunk of it, but you would still kind of expect 
a, a cursory attempt to throw the ball in a way that is not. I mean, it, it was like a service academy. How how little they threw the ball against Purdue. Army gave Wake Forest one of the two best teams in the ACC a, a game this past weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, not the worst team, but or not the best team, rather. I guess the whole point is if you see a box Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz's slash line before you look into your crystal ball and you see he only has eight completed passes. Does that tell you Iowa? Eight attempts. Or Yeah, eight attempts, excuse me. See, he only has eight attempts. Does that tell you Wisconsin won or lost the game? I mean, to me, if he has eight attempts, the way I would think about it is that Iowa knocked him out. That would be my mm. assumption with eight attempts. Mm. Because, now this is dodging the question, because I think... Yeah, masterclass in it. If, Keep going, though. I, incredible. No, no, but I think the point you're trying to make is Wisconsin was able to assert themselves in the run game so early and so often that you don't need Graham Mertz at all. Why even open yourselves up to a Mertzening? Like, we know the memes. We've created them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if, if you told me this time next week, I, I just get out of a coma, you call me up, you say, Harrison, Graham Mertz only attempted eight passes against Iowa. I would assume Iowa lost. See, the problem is I kind of think Iowa yeah, – I mean, oh, yeah. Yes, I agree with you because it just – it seems like Chez is sort of finding his footing, so to speak, and Wisconsin rushing attack is sort of figuring it out. And so if they only need to throw it eight times, then I was probably in some trouble. And they, you know, Wisconsin wasn't in a situation to be passing the ball late in the game. So it's tough, and obviously that's what happened. But at the same time, I guess we got to just make, you know, Mertz throw it. I just don't feel like – the counter obviously is like, I don't feel like Purdue or excuse me, Wisconsin's going to be able to run on Iowa. Like the, the, the way they did against Purdue, um, the, you know, the Iowa run defense is pretty freaking salty. And um, if we, I think I was reading something stupid this morning about how it's every, um, every, whenever uh, a bad coach is facing a good quarterback in the NFL, he always in the press conference leading up, he says we're going to try and keep the ball out of his hands um, by by way of running the ball and have, playing good defense. And in Iowa's case, I think we want to put the ball in Burt's hands as much as possible. And I don't know how you do that because it's just not something you do very often. Teams, I guess, just look at the film because that's what teams have been doing against Iowa all year is trying to make Peters throw the ball. Um, so maybe just look in your own goddamn film room and figure it out from there. Would Iowa be so crazy to do like a they unironically opened up with the four four defense? I don't know if it was last year or the year before. I think it was the year before because Barantine Wade was on the outside looking in, and then he got his first start in twenty nineteen. Do you do that? Like, I mean, do you just be so so overt in how you're going to stack the box with I? 
what would it be? Would you be like a 5-3 defense with Justin Jacobs, Benson, uh, and Campbell, of course, at the linebacker, and then add maybe like a Joe Evans type defensive end so, so that it's like he, he's a little athletic. He can maybe do some things in, in coverage, um, or, or maybe you just bring Dane Belton into the box and have your two corners lined up and Jack Kerner over the top and Hey, Hey Graham, you're going to have to beat us. I think you probably put Belton just cause it gives a little bit more flexibility, but I, I don't think this will happen either. Like I kind of, you know, maybe eventually, but I kind of just feel like it's not broke. Don't fix it. Even though it was incredibly broke against Purdue. Um, sort of with this defense and <laughs> just have put out our, you know, normal four, three or normal nickel or normal cash rather. And uh, see, see, see how the first two or three drives go. And then that's when you see the adjustments. But I guess I just have to think that it feels like the mo the worst Wisconsin team of my lifetime, probably not true, but maybe. And if this, you know, Iowa won last year, and I think I was better this year, right? They got to be. And Wisconsin's worse. They got to be. So, like, I know it's not how it freaking works, but <laughs> it, it just seems to, you know, a lot of times the simplest answer is the answer. And that's what I feel like here. I, I think I take a little bit issue to the idea that Wisconsin's worse than they were last year because they had like Graham Grishik or some some other running as their number one ball carrier, and uh, Ches is a little bit better. That that that's my opinion on that matter. But but here, here's your point: they are both four and three. They finished four and three last year, and they are now four and three this year. So I guess let's see if they finish a tidy eight and six to have the exact same uh, record as their last year team. That'll be what happens. Uh, I hope not, but okay. Oh well. Oh well. So it seems like uh, from a what do you need to see from the Iowa offense though, as we talk about how Iowa can, can beat Wisconsin. It, it just, the, that's the problem with the Iowa offense. Cause it just feels like if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen in terms of Tyrone Tracy figuring it out in terms of this offensive line looking like a competent offensive line in terms of Spencer Petrus not having happy feet, which is a function of a tough offensive line and, and, and drops from, from aforementioned receivers, um, it, it, we're going to see, you know, I was watching a little bit, of not just the Purdue game, but some, some other past games, and uh, Tyler Goodson has missed quite a lot of running lanes, too. Uh, it's really unfortunate. And at the same time, too, I think he's been mismanaged. You know, against Purdue, we took him off the field whenever we got close, a couple of times when we got close to the red zone or towards that uh, pass of 50, like, I feel, like, I feel like we're not managing him well. He's by far, you know, our most explosive, one of our most explosive players, and I feel like he's just not getting enough touches. I've said before, he's too good, or it kind of feels like we're wasting him. But at the same time, he's a running back, and he can't really do anything behind this offensive line. And 
you know, and I just have nothing really to say about, you know, you said, what, what do we have to see from this Iowa offense? It's, we have to see them be, play complimentary football to the defense, which, <laughs> I mean, uh, with the Purdue game right now, we have to act like that's an outlier because it is as of now and just hope that we can go back to ain't broke, don't fix it, Iowa. But, you know, the reality of the situation is it could be broke. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the Iowa standing with their hand out in front of them in a fist, I I look no further than last year against Wisconsin, where I think that the, the game entered halftime 3-3, and the the boxing equivalent of that would be literally two guys with their fists pointed at each other like an inch away from the other's face. And you can't generate much in a, in a one-inch punch, although it is kind of a thing, I guess, in uh, martial arts. I learned that somewhere. Um, but, like, I, I think you'll just see two teams in a staring contest and it be super ugly I don't know what I necessarily need to see from the offense, but I think the one you hit the most is Tyler Goodson from the respect of, hey, what what do you think or, or what can you remember was his best game so far this year? Maryland. He's got two. It's got to be Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, so there there are only by my addition here, Okay, so he went over 100 yards passing and receiving in the Indiana game, the Kent State game where he had 153 yards rushing, the Maryland game where he had 151-ish yards, 160 yards, maybe I can't do the math right now. Um, And then he did get over 100 yards combined in the Penn State game thanks to two receptions. I mean, I think where Iowa can attack Wisconsin is with Tyler Goodson in those like kind of pseudo seam routes Mm -hmm. that I think Mm -hmm. they call it a Texas route. To me, it's the greatest route in all of NCAA football 2014. The one where your back is in the backfield. He runs out straight across the middle. Now to me, that was always like a play I would use. And like, I, I know I'm not Brian Ferentz, but I know he looks at games like this sometimes as that's like a quick screen pass. That's always the one I want to get, you know, the playmaker to. And I think that if if Wisconsin tries to make Iowa's life hell pass blocking, I think that using Goodson in the pass game is the best way to counter that, especially considering you mentioned some some holes he's missed in the run game. I think he's been a little spottier in pass coverage. Certainly than um, Makai Sargent was last year. Makai Sargent was a a great pass blocker, but Goodson has had a couple times where he's missed guys and Peaches has gotten even hurt or not hurt, but hit or sacked. And um, a way you can counter that is just have him be a, a, a free runner in the pass game. So I think that that is probably the one thing I want to see the most um, with respect to that, because if you have to account for him out of the backfield, then as I always say, I was 
offense is way too easy to defend and putting Goodson in space is one way to make them less easy to defend. I mean, Makai, Eric, excuse me. Goodson's been pretty bad in pass protection. You're right. And you not even can't even compare to Makai Sargent. Makai Sargent's on an NFL roster right now, simply because of his pass blocking <laughs> prowess. Um, yeah. I, so I guess maybe we'll see a little bit more Ivory Kelly Martin in that sense, but I don't know if that's like the catalyst. I don't know if that's going to be the thing that wills Iowa to a victory in this one. I think we need – it's Wisconsin. I don't think we, we can beat them off the performance of one singular player. That's not sort of how this Iowa team is set up, right? Um, at, least, at least on the offensive side yeah. of the ball. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd say, you know, we had this conversation after the Penn State game where it's like who is the one player – uh, on Iowa, who who's the catalyst to winning or losing? And I mean, I arrived at Jack Campbell, and you said Tory Taylor, which is you know, yeah, we're, we're both right in that sense. Um, <laughs> so I, but you know, the problem is, you know, this offensive line just doesn't lend it to do anything, and I guess I just don't trust Brian as you mentioned with the Texas routes and what have you, I don't trust Brian to get any more creative than that in trying to protect his quarterback and get points on the board. I just don't see that happening. I see more square peg round, round holiness and uh, guilty until proven innocent of that. Uh, if that uh, with that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said after the Maryland game that, the Ohio State game is no longer 50% of Brian's resume. And, I mean, he's got the the, the play against Penn State to add there, the, the game-winning uh, deep pass to Reganey. But uh, two absolute, uh, not goose eggs, because literally the, the play to Reganey, but um, just not, he just, doesn't add much. It's like the, the one leap forward, two steps back. So back, back to where we started. And I think the thing that's concerning is there is not requisite heat from my perspective as to just how bad this offense is. I don't see it really being compared to the nadirs of past Ferentz offenses in terms of like, 2012 or um, 2007. And the the thing that concerned me the most, and, and I mentioned it when we talked last week, was the red zone offense being at 65% conversion rate. I, I went back, looked through the last 15 years, which conveniently is five years from each offensive coordinator. And for Iowa to match the second worst uh, red zone conversion percentage of the last 15 years, which it was 20, 2013, they would have to convert 11 straight red zone attempts, which is not going to happen anytime soon at a pace of three red zone attempts per game. So like they are, that is genuinely bad. It is bottom 15 in all of college football got worse as teams got better in it last week. And it is, that is dire because like Iowa needs to come away with points whenever they get there because they don't get there that much. Like 
at historically over that last 15 years going a little bit off memory, but um, you don't see Iowa average more than four to four and a half red zone attempts per game. And if you're not coming away with points when, when you're doing that, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure because not only do you, you know, not score points, but that means you're either turning the ball over as Iowa has done a couple of times or just, I mean, missing field goals in, in that area. That's, that's tough. I hate to put it on Shudak. It's he's not the reason Iowa lost last weekend, but it, it, you get a twenty-five yard chip shot. You got to make that. Yeah, that God, that's so stark. The three three red zone trips a game. Like my God, like how <laughs> yeah. is that not? Yeah, just a greater indictment on his ability. It just. It's, it pulls your hair out. I guess I would have to, you know, I have no idea what to compare that to, but I know that that's got to be bottom of the Big Ten, right? The, I mean, I think Illinois, Illinois was behind Iowa in respect to this. Um, and, like, the historical thing, Iowa is like a, a, uh, team alone and like the, their willingness to not only to, to top out at like four and a half red zone attempts per game is such a low number such a low number that if uh, so I'm taking my time while I'm pulling this up but like the red zone scoring attempts per game 4.1 would put you at Georgia, twenty seventh. <laughs> um, Iowa at two point nine is one hundred and first, which puts you right next to Bowling Green. A second shout out this this uh, podcast and Illinois um, has the third least attempts at two a game. So that's it. And then Penn state at three, God almighty Penn state was a bad offense. Now that I, you know, who leads a co- you know, who that. leads a big 10 conference in red zone attempts. It's, I think it might be Minnesota. I think it's someone super it's weird. Nebra- oh no, it's Nebraska. <laughs> Granted, they have one more game than everybody, but Illinois, but <laughs> Illinois has one more game than oh, you- everybody. <laughs> and they're still in last place. Oh, you're looking at the raw total. Gonna, yeah, I see. I see Nebraska at 22. Uh, yeah. yeah. Michigan's the most per game at 4.7. So, like, I mean, to top out at 4.5, that would put you in the top 20. But it's not like I was living in the top 20. It, it's living in the bottom half of that statistic. And when you're not converting those at a high rate, you're – you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball. It's not even putting yourself behind the eight ball because that insinuates some amount of luck. I, I mean, Iowa was one of five on on red zone conversions against Purdue. One of five. Just brutally that's, bad. Yeah, I mean, that's like a weekend for me. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, well, Ben, um, we did want we we alluded to it last week to shift gears a little bit 
the Squid Game. Oh, I thought you forgot. You want I was to... excited. No, no, I, I remembered. I, I knew how excited you were to discuss it. We discussed it briefly, briefly. We didn't give away any takes towards each other other than the first one, which is, are you a dub person or are you a uh, subtitles person? We both agree here, but I'll let you take over. Um, it's, it's, I wasn't ready for this. I thought we were going to talk about something else. Um, let me, okay, let me get into the, the right mode. Uh, oh, you have to do subtitles. I think I don't want to talk to you if you do the dubbing. I think if you dub, if you watch the show dubbed, um, you don't deserve, I mentioned, you know, Penn State fans don't deserve to breathe our air. Uh, last week, you don't deserve, I don't want to be in the same room as you. If you watch it dubbed, like I made it to the ATM scene, which was like 28 seconds into the first episode because <laughs> it just feeds you dubbed. You have to move to change it manually. And it's like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Like, it's so distracting. And like the reason I also like subtitles is it like keeps I don't know about you, but my attention span has gone to zero in the time of COVID. And so having it on subtitles, it makes you stay off your phone or makes you yeah. actually, you know, watch it, um, stay. It, it doesn't, it, it, you're distracted by the show, the thing you want to be distracted by instead of distracted by Twitter. Um, so that's that, I guess. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. It's one of the better things I've watched in recent memory. I think, so first, the, the joke I wanted to make that hit me was, the Venn diagram of Penn State fans and people who watch the Squid Game. Oh, it's a perfect dubs, circle. Yeah, is a yeah, circle. It's a perfect circle. Circle. Yeah. Well, cause um, they can't read. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they don't have a they don't have a choice. That choice has been made for them by Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. Netflix yeah, looked and, at and they, they looked at their numbers in Greater Appalachia and saw it would have <laughs> nobody would have watched the show if they. Because then they wouldn't be able, to, they wouldn't be able to figure out Netflix's interface either to change to turn the subtitles off and into dubbing. So <laughs> they just had to feed it to feed it, spoon feed them the the easy way out. Ah, uh, fantastic, fantastic. Um, I I think the thing about the Squid Game that I enjoyed was just how this is going to sound super lame. I like the colors. I like the way it was shot. I thought it was. Um, stylistically as impressive a thing as I've watched from from a pop culture standpoint. And and again, it is not that wide of a data set. Um, I just found it very enticing uh, to watch. Obviously, it's violent. And um, it was ultimately interesting. The thing I wanted to talk to you about is, and this is putting you on a spot, you don't have to answer this question, but... Is there a past Ben Ross that would be the guy playing the beanbag game with someone just getting slapped in the at a Chicago L? Would would you have been that guy? Just like I'm going to win this next one. Oh, and call because I think there there's probably a time and place that I would have just been playing this game with that this random. Oh guy. my God, no. <laughs> Tell you what, Ben Ross would not have been playing this on Chicago L. Ben Ross would have been playing this in the Ped Mall outside of DC's at two in the morning <laughs> at bar close. Um, my when I went to college, 
uh, uh, Netflix, uh, the flavor of the year on Netflix was um, How I Met Your Mother. And slap betting oh, yeah. was a prominent storyline throughout all, every season of that show. And we had slap bets uh, amongst my friend group. And I was on the winning end, or I was on the giving end, and I was on the receiving end of many slap bets. And I guess, so yeah, I, I certainly would have participated in that squid, squid game of sorts. Uh, the problem, I mean, uh, other, other than that, though, I haven't accrued enough debt yet. To, to to warrant the oh, full yeah. full throated <laughs> um, <laughs> attempt at, at playing that game, but you know there there's bits and pieces of it that uh, resonated with me, I suppose. I I think the other thing that was just the topic I wanted to have a discussion on was, and this is sort of a spoiler, but how far do you think you make it? In the squid oh. game, do do you get past green light, no. red light? Absolutely not. Okay, of course not. I think that's yeah, the right answer. Of course, I don't. Except I don't know. I the, would. The only that. thing in my defense is like I think if I make it the first two rounds of red light, green light, I think I survive because I just walk the rest of the way. You know, I don't try and sprint and risk losing my footing when she says red light. I think I just, I think the old man just sort of strolled through. Cause he, I mean, he knew what he was doing. So, um, yeah, he didn't know mm-hmm. what he was doing. Um, yeah, I think I would have lasted maybe 15 seconds. I, I, I'm not, I would have gotten caught up with the people who ran back. I would have wanted to go forward because, I just thought the doors that we came out of there, you're not getting back in those. Um, but I think it would have been a brutal, brutal standpoint because red light, green light also isn't a, isn't a uh, American game necessarily. I was thinking um, when I saw it set up like that, I was thinking like red over, red over. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I would have been in trouble because once they say something, I would have just ran, I would have kept running. Um, Especially because it was in Korean and not dubbed. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> I think I'm definitely making it. Like I'm making it past tug of war, though. Like I'm winning tug of war. Did what was marbles uh, a game you played on the streets of Cedar Rapids? <laughs> I think we literally had marbles, and there were like a th- I mean, there are thousands of ways to play it. I do not know how I would have done it. I would have, I would have gotten swindled in that game. I don't, that would have been what happened because you could have made up whatever rules you wanted against me. And I would have, I would have lost marbles. I don't know what marbles are. That's, that's a new concept to me. Yeah. And then there was the, the other one, which was Sugar the cookie, thing. Um, the cookie. Yeah. And I, I, maybe I, maybe I get, that I definitely one. would have picked an umbrella and I definitely would have been screwed. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, the the other the the fifth one that's just all luck, right? I mean, the the glass. Although I'm surprised no one ever just tried sprinting across. Well, one guy did down one line. One guy did. He did oh, them. He did. He, he, and I just, did, and he I just did his math it. and decided he said he has a one in thirty three thousand chance of making it, and started laughing maniacally, and he made it like five, like three steps, and then fell through. 
Oh, you're right. Because he went back and... Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I guess I do remember that now. Anyways, fun stuff. This is a poll that we need to make is who would win the Squid Game battle between us at the end? I would lose. I'm not a fighter. Oh, hmm. God. Do we know each other? No. It would have been it would have been weird. Okay. I'm, I who knows? Mean, I don't want to... If you... I, I, I nixed that If question. you already concede, then I'll take the W. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I know I, I sprung this on you a little bit. What Was there anything that you wanted to touch on um, that we didn't necessarily cover in these last couple minutes? Uh, well, yeah. I thought we were going to talk about Michigan, Michigan State is where I was Ooh. going. Okay. Looking ahead. Yeah. All right, so switching gears from <laughs> switching gear, switching back game. to the gear we were in previously, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Michigan, Michigan State. Um, I have a hilarious story about a past Michigan, Michigan State game. I do too. You go first. But, okay, I, I was going to make the joke that um, the Michigan, Michigan State game is America's Squid Game. I, I feel mm. like that is that is a, a possibility, um, but my story I'll try and make it quick was uh, I think it was 2015 where it was the blocked punt my Christine and I we walk into Bridge of Spies a three hour and 30 minute movie I'm on my phone watching like the the play-by-play just before they tell you to turn your phones off I'm like okay Michigan just has to punt and they're going to win this game. So I turn my phone off before Bridges Spies, assuming that Michigan State is going to lose the game. Blocked punt. And uh, you know the rest. Uh, the, bad story, but it cracked. I, I can't not think of Bridges Spies whenever uh, Michigan, Michigan State becomes a discussion point. Uh, my story is from the exact same game. It's 2015. Ooh. I had just moved to Chicago somewhat recently, and it is sort of when a lot of my friends from school had moved, and we were at one of our friends' apartments. Um, we watched the first half of the game, then went to a, a bar of repute that they lived right across the street from, one of the more popular DePaul bars in the entire city. So it's just kind of like basically as close to a, a real college town bar you would find in Chicago. And it's just, this is back... And all of us are gambling. There's probably 20 of us of my friends, and we, we probably have well thousands of dollars between us on this game. We're all on Michigan State, I think, every single one of us. And we're in this just crowded bar, and the, 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 the punt happens, and we all end up cashing out. And there are as many of us, as many of us as there were that had Michigan State. There are just as many Michigan betters who are complete and total strangers because – they, you know, Chicago's a big Ann Arbor town, you know what I mean? And one guy punched the window of the bar. <laughs> and his arm, his hand broke through. The, ho- the ambulance had to come. He lost, he, I think he cut open a vein in his arm. It was, there was the most blood I've ever seen in my entire life. So, but what I'm saying is... <laughs> There's, there's gonna be some bloodshed this Saturday morning. 
I, I hate how this game is on the same time as Iowa, too, because like I really want to watch this game. I don't want to watch Iowa-Wisconsin. Are you kidding me? Give me Michigan-Michigan State all day over this shit. I know. I know. I actually the, – the thing that I love about – Michigan, Michigan State. That do, I don't, I don't really think exists between Iowa, Wisconsin, football wise. Like there is a true hatred between Michigan and Michigan State that does not really exist in the Iowa, Wisconsin one. And it's like, it's a, it's got to be closer like, to like, Iowa I, State, I actually, right? In term, yeah, it's got to yeah, be closer to that. Yeah, it's like a lot more animosity. Um, I, I don't even think like. Michigan is correct in viewing that they're above Michigan State and Michigan State takes it so personally as they should because they've been to two more conference championship games than Michigan has in the last year. They've been to the playoff. And and they've been to the playoff. So, like, I get it. But the animosity, I'll have to talk to my brother who went to Michigan about some of this stuff. Cause I think, I th- think the same game that we both referenced Michigan state fans were just total assholes on the way back from the stadium. And it's like, you, you can't just like try and leave under the cover of darkness. Like, you know, you got away with one. You don't need to be an asshole about it too, but not Michigan state fans, which I think I respect, but also I would hate too. I mean, can you imagine that walk home now in the year 2021 after nobody knows how to act in public anymore? Crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm trying to think like the, the equivalence kind of the Iowa-Iowa State game from two years back where it ended on the weird missed punt. I, I think if you're an Iowa fan, unless you're Tyler Cook, you just like – you just – run away as quickly and quietly as possible when you're in Jack Trice in that situation. Yeah, I'm not scared of anybody names. Fair enough. So uh, where where do you stand on the Michigan-Michigan State game? Because I, I kind of – I I think it might actually be lower scoring than the Iowa-Wisconsin game. You think? Which might be a hot take. I don't know. I, Maybe. I kind of really think Michigan might – I think they're really good. Let me get that out of the way. I just think they're kind of a paper tiger. I, I do think that Michigan might sort of be benefiting from the way Iowa was, where it's just sort of some fluky wins here, pretty slick schedule. Whereas, you know, I, I think Michigan State is, they have the most exciting player in the conference in Kenneth Walker Jr. They have, yeah. you know, Cade, Cade McNamara isn't scaring anybody. Whereas Peyton Thorne, Michigan State's quarterback, is he does just enough, I think, to scare you. I don't think he's much better than Cade McNamara, but that's a very low bar to clear. And then I can just totally and completely see, you know, this is only the second time Mel Tucker and Harbaugh have faced each other. I can just see Harbaugh overthinking the hell out of this game plan, whereas Mel Tucker is going to go out and do the same thing they've been doing all year. We'll just give it to Kenneth Walker Jr. 30 times a game and not let Peyton Th- not put the team in a position to let Peyton Thorne lose the game. So that's just sort of how I feel about it. I, you know, it's not going to be a freaking track meet or anything, but I think it'll be much more competent <laughs> across the board than Wisconsin, <laughs> Iowa. I, I think that 
that's a good a good counter to like the Michigan or the Iowa Wisconsin game where Iowa Wisconsin is two guys like Floyd Mayweathering each other, right? Where they're just like trying not to hit, but also trying not to get hit. I think the Michigan Michigan State game could be like a true trading haymakers type of game with very little scoring. Um, and I, I kind of hope Michigan comes out with it. Like I think Michigan state has some, they have some blemishes on, on their record, despite being seven and zero. not getting a first down against Nebraska at home um, in the second half. That's one that I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how you come away with that win there. And then are you allowed to look ahead like like they kind of did um it seemed with the the Indiana game because 20, 20 to 15 somehow I think that is like that's Indiana's as I look at this. Indiana's just the most snake bitten um, team. That's their third best game. Indiana's just the most snake bitten team I can remember in, in you know in, in forever I, I guess like that's a that's a good Indiana football team and they're losing to slightly better teams because that's all that's on their schedule is slightly better teams yeah like they should have beaten Cincinnati it, it's just yeah. I feel yeah. so bad except I don't because they have Tom Allen and he stinks Uh so, do, do you have you you think Michigan State will come away with that one? I do, I do, and I mean mo- most you know certainly being at home, not being at the big house, yeah. d- definitely helps. Um, I just think overall Michigan State's a better team, either way. I think you're probably right, but I think eventually, I think eventually Michigan has to pull one of these games out, like they they have to. I mean, I guess they did in 2016, but was that is that really the last time they beat Michigan State? That can't be true. No, that if can't it, be right. No, they would have they they would have they would have won since then. Maybe D'Antonio's last year. Mm-hmm. That that feels on brand for uh, Michigan and D'Antonio. So I I'm pulling for Michigan. I think I might have to get the dual screens out though. To your point, like only begrudgingly watching the Iowa game and somehow somehow my if if i get roped into doing the recap of the iowa wisconsin game it'll just be a recap of the michigan michigan state that, game i joke funny. but yeah i'm definitely gonna, i'm definitely gonna try <laughs> and put myself in a situation where i'll be able to have two screens because i don't have that luxury at my current living situation but i've got other friends who do such is life so i think that's it ben i think oh basketball minute so here is how I wanted to close the basketball minute. And I am optimistic if for only one reason. Connor McCaffrey is allegedly going to be coming off the bench. And for that, I think it demonstrates Fran understands the makeup of his team is going to be much more geared towards athleticism, defense creating offense, and surrounding Jordan Bohannon with four much better defenders that they can make up for his deficiencies on the defensive end. 
Now, will that actually come to fruition? I have the over on how many games Connor McCaffrey will start at 4.5. I think he's going to start at least five games. So hopefully I'm wrong, but hopefully we see a true kind of change of direction. And I think I think we can gather that it might happen just based on that inkling. But we shall see. We're, a mu- we're less than a month away, like two weeks. Well, I feel like Fran really tinkers with the starting lineup. So if Connor doesn't start the year, he'll only, I think the only way he starts games then is because is if somebody really gets hurt, right? So what are we looking at? We're looking at, if Connor's off the bench, we're looking at, what, Toussaint, Bohannon, Pat, Pat, I think Pat, Patrick, Keegan, and, and Pat, Agudele. Or the... Agundale, Agundale fascinates me the most, but I think the highest floor guy is probably Rabraka. Yeah. Rabachka. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that, he got that, his that name is right, right because I, I remember watching some highlights of his dad was a Detroit Piston or something. Um, oh, or maybe so, it was his uncle, I don't know. I... Is there any world where Bohannon comes off the bench? There can't be, right? Other than Ben's fantasy line. I think that's super intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I you can think still get 25 minutes if, a game off the bench, 20, because I, I want to see more Tony Perkins is all I'm saying. I, I think the way I would use Jordan Bohannon is you run two or three plays for him within the first two and a half minutes. If he's got it, you leave him in how you would normally leave him in. But if he doesn't, next break, and this is a this is an issue. Uh, issue isn't necessarily the word. Idiosyncrasy that Fran has is to not take the starters out until after the first commercial break. I would get ahead of that with Bohannon and Perkins. If Bohannon is feeling it offensively, don't wait until the first commercial break. Just bring Tony Perkins in. Rev up your defense a little bit. Bohannon can get buckets, but if he's not getting them, let him play with subs uh, in the middle of the first half and then let him start the second half again. But I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm not optimistic that Fran's going to do something he's never done. But I'm optimistic that Bohannon can do well in the role that, that is being carved out for him. Do we have any fun matchups early in the season? Who do we play in the ACC Challenge? <clears throat> we play Virginia. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and we play and we play a reeling Iowa State game Iowa State team who has had two players uh one dismissed one quit um, so Foster is dismissed right yeah Foster was dismissed player, Blake Henson Blake Henson he quit yeah Blake Henson did and this is actually you know what this is worthy of going to Cyclone Fanatic yeah and let's hear it reading the the press release because it was a true all timer, a true all timer. Um, and let's find it. Let's find it. Iowa state announces Blake Henson's quit the team typo, but I respect it. Uh, Iowa state head coach TJ Otzelberger announced Saturday that redshirt junior Blake Henson has quit the team. Quote, I met with all of our players individually Thursday to discuss their roles heading into the season. Otzelberger said, on Friday, Blake informed me he was quitting the team. While it is disappointing, 
It is important to understand roles, and I believe the rest of our team is ready for the upcoming season. Incredible. I'm like, you didn't have to start the bus and throw him under it. (laughs) So is Henson going? uh, It it reminds not Iowa State. It is like your friends from the housewarming party. It's 10 o'clock. You don't have to go anywhere. You just can't be here. Bummer. It reminds me of the Christian Williams transfer, but Fran McCaffrey was not an asshole about it. Let's see. Christian Williams, Iowa transfer. If I can find this. Has Steve Prom, did he go anywhere? Steve Prom is less hireable. Well, I guess they went two and 20, Todd they went two, in my two, opinion. Two, two and 22 last year. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who their two wins were? Um, I don't. Do you have it up? I'm about to. Let's hurry up Wikipedia. Oh, see, see, here's what Fran McCaffrey said about Christian Williams when he decided to 11th hour uh, transfer. Fran McCaffrey said, Christian is a terrific young man with tremendous character. We are disappointed that Christian will not will no longer be a Hawkeye, but the players and coaches wish him the best in his future endeavors. It's not that hard I mean, to be it, an adult. He's, like, got, he's got that like, written uh, on his letterhead. He's got 50 of them in his desk drawer. I mean, which is a smart move. Um, Iowa State's two wins last year came against Pine Bluff and Jackson State. Pine Bluff first game of the year. Jackson State was the sixth or seventh game of the year, and then they lost the rest of the games in a row. Bummer. Incredible. Uh, I, I was like... I was prepared to like have a counter. You know, Iowa State isn't going to be that bad take. But there's just so much weird stuff happening that it's impossible not to think that they're going to be continue to be a tire. How high. does the recruiting look right now? It always looks good when you have a new coach. Yeah. Like I mean, so, so like they they kept the the guy that they wanted from Prom last year. The Tyrese Hunter, mm-hmm. I think. And then there's a kid out of Ames that they recruited. And then I think uh, someone Iowa was in on uh, out of Minnesota that they got to, like Eli King for 2022. But I have transferred to Iowa paid State. that much attention. Yeah. He was yeah. good for Minnesota. Why'd he leave? Uh, I don't know. He couldn't find a shot because they got a new coach and probably similar situation. Mm-hmm. As the Blake Henson mm, stuff. I could see. New role. New role. Who dis? Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. So. Well, that, that was a fun basketball. Did Richard Pitino find a job? No problem. Like New Mexico, like his old school. And he's at New Mexico. Yeah. I mean. That's so funny. Yeah. He, he beat the posse. That is so funny. Well. See you later. Did we find anything about prom? About uh, Wikipedia prom? had nothing, so that's about yeah, as far I as mean, I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wish him the best. He can always you do. come on the podcast. You do. Don't use the royal we when talking about. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Please. I guess. If, I, I guess I if Steve Prom doesn't want to come on the show, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> 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 what will we talk about with Steve Prom as a guest?
what was going through your head when Jordan Bohannon signed those shoes? Because I hate that just as much as you do, and I'm an Iowa fan, Steve Prom. So we can <laughs> we have that in common. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I would have to put some real work into it if we're going to do a Steve Prom interview. Who do you think dislikes Jordan Bohannon more, me or Steve Prom? Because, like, that'd be a fun segment. Uh, that would be. That would be. Just bring him on for every. every it would be, it would be a contest. A recurring bit. Oh, boy. All right. Producing. Producing on the fly. All righty, Ben. <laughs> This is the Pants Party. That was Ben Ross. I'm Harrison Starr. Go Hawks. Thanks for the memes.